Welcome to the 40th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer, Katie, here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at AnimalRiotPress.com. Now on to the episode with your hosts, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guests, Sarah Bridgens and Rachel Lyon. I'm your host, Brian Birnbaum. We're here today with Rachel Lyon and Sarah Bridgens. Rachel is the author of the novel Self-Portrait with Boy, which was long-listed for the Center of Fiction's 2018 First Novel Prize and is in feature film development at Topic Studios. It's pretty awesome. Her short work has appeared or is forthcoming in One Story, Long Reads, Joyland, Electric Literature, and elsewhere. She is editor-in-chief of Epiphany and co-founder of the reading series Ditmas Lit in her native Brooklyn, New York. Sarah Bridgen's poetry collection, Death and Exes, fucking awesome name, is the recipient of the 2018 Sexton Poetry Prize and is forthcoming from Eyewear Books. Her work has appeared in Tin House, BuzzFeed, Bustle, Sync Review, Joyland, and Big Lux, among other journals. She is a four-time Pushcart Prize nominee and the co-founder of the Ditmas Lit reading series, which is in Brooklyn. Okay, and don't worry, we're going to come back to BuzzFeed, and I think you guys know why. This episode's brand of fuckery is brought to you by Succession, which we will spend roughly 50 to 100% of the episode talking to about. Okay, but we won't. 100 is, you know, I just went there just to cover all my bases. Because we're going to start with how you guys found each other and started Ditmas, which is in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) How did we find each other? Uh, it was through Max Bean. Yeah, our friend Max Bean, who's good at bringing people together. Mm-hmm. You guys were roommates and went to high school together. Mm-hmm. I was friends with Max. Mm-hmm. And part of his writing group. Yep. Which I then resuscitated after I came back from grad school. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So we were in the writing group together. Resuscitated. That's, mm-hmm. that's a... Is that a big word? That's a strong word, yeah. Well, it was sort of dormant for a while. Yeah. I feel like I yeah. performed the necessary CPR and Good. so on. Yeah. Our put, paramedic put friend. The, put the paddles on it. I love it. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Gave it some shocks. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. So, yeah. And you had just... We, like, went out for drinks and I was... You sent me an email that said, <laughs> I will never forget it. I am aggressively pursuing this friendship. There's, there's, there's the romance there I was waiting made My for. heart sing. It made me so happy. <laughs> yeah. It was very Taurus of me. It was the most Taurus thing I made. It was amazing. Explain that. Explain that. Because I, I, like, I'm honestly not, it. like, you know, I, I know what I am, but I don't know why, and I don't, I'm not in what, what are you? A Virgo. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was Kate, Katie's t- uh, two days after You're me. You're a double Virgo relationship? Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That's how you guys manage to do this every what week. What do the tarot yeah. cards That's say? That's why yeah. you're that. so That's weakly. That's why you're so productive. That makes yeah. Sense. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> what was the question? I like, I like weekly as like a noun. Yeah. Like a. You're so well, weak. I think like that was an adverb. It might be. You, you, you said weekly? we're so weakly. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> this is why I uh, have a line editor. But yeah, so is that bad? I really want to talk about that for a second. Is to be d- a double Virgo. I don't yeah. know. Is it? How does it work for you guys? Because the only other instantiation of that that, I, uh, uh, that I'm aware of is the song Virgo with Nas featuring Ludacris. So, sure. I'm not and that worked with out. that. That worked out pretty well, actually. I love oh. that song. Okay, good. It means um, you're very productive and organized. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. I think one of us. I think one of us has got that down. <laughs> I got the productive part there. down. The organization, no, definitely not. Interesting. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Taurus. That's yes. Yeah. So tell me. Yeah. Tell me uh, about that. I I guess stubborn is the number one characteristic that is like applied to the Taurus. What else? The, like oh, very domestic. Like we like to be comfortable kind of hedonistic into mm-hmm. like pleasures of the body mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just the body huh? um, that's it all sorts of things yeah <laughs> i'm being a taurus cozy. moon yeah. oh yeah i love being because it's my favorite thing in the whole world yeah yeah okay. you're a taurus moon and i probably had some libra in there somewhere oh i'm sure yeah, yeah. yeah. sarah's mm-hmm. a libra so she's very charming oh, we're, <laughs> we're gonna bring this back <laughs> what is rosetta do you know rosetta's sign yeah what is the meanest possible sign a Leo. No, oh, I, Leos I don't aren't know. that mean. No. August. Oh yeah, she's a Leo. Oh, that's interesting. That kind of makes sense. Sure. She has a lot of confidence. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, isn't she March? She's April. April. Is she an Aries? Is she? A, I bet she's an Aries. Is yeah, that, she's totally an Aries. Oh, I don't know much about Aries. You got to mm-hmm. keep the bark now. My cats are both Libras. I decided they were born on my birthday. Yeah, my <laughs> we're all we're, we're triplets. Yeah, God, we're all the same. Well, okay, so was that brought up in the email? Were you guys like, I'm we're both Tauruses? We just this, this happened. Like the vibe right. that you're sensing right here is what happened okay. that night, and we were like, oh, obviously we're friends. We need yeah, to hang yeah. out all yeah. the time. Yeah, good. <laughs> and eventually, Sarah was like interested. She had like left her position as literary agent. Was interested in coming back to the literary world and so suggested that we start this reading series together. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Totes. sure. And yeah. that's, that, is that when you moved on to what we will talk about in a bit, being mm-hmm. a hedge fund e- executive assistant? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, we're set, you know, that's the MFA style. You put that out, we're going to go back in time. Oh, yeah, foreshadowing. Back Interesting. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's the word for it. I knew there was a... A trope I was using. Okay. Yeah, so what like what is Ditmas to you guys? Is it something that you did just because you guys like each other? Um, or is it something that you guys did for books, all of the above? It's always always all, all of the above. I'm asking yeah. now I'm extending <laughs> a question that should be very short. Yeah. What is it all about for you guys? I mean, I think part of it was just originally it was about being involved in the literary world when like neither of us really had any sure footing mm-hmm. in the literary world, but we like knew we wanted to be part of it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely I used to be an agent and when I stopped doing that, I sort of like it was a way to scratch that itch of like yeah. working with writers and connecting them to an audience and yeah. That was a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I just missed being more like in the mix. Yeah. And we wanted a reason to hang out every month. Totally. And a reason to like see our friends and give our friends an opportunity to exactly. read. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we both know so many writers. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I asked. Right. Yeah. And there wasn't one in Ditmas, right? So we knew we were yeah. filling a niche in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That was really important. Totally. Yeah. And I read there last night, and when you guys asked who's from Ditmas, I would say about half the crowd raised yeah. their hand. Yeah. Which it's is, a real community series. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Which is really cool. And I, I mean, I think our lovely producers and Devin would say the same thing. They started it to make more literature friends totally. you know yeah i think that yeah I, like sometimes i wish there was a more complicated answer which i also that's why i asked if you if it was because you guys liked each other but you know <laughs> <laughs> but that really is what it comes down to like it really is just trying to build community because it's so hard for writers just being in their little caves you know and just just not talking to other people yeah it's and a then, very solitary and activity. you're like how do you do like how do you you know 
get this story published or, you know, who do you know, blah, blah, blah. And it can feel kind of like networking bullshit like that, but it's also real, you know? It's nice to know that other people are doing the thing that you're doing that feels fucking crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, Rachel and I were talking about someone we met last night who came and just, like, showed up. Yeah, what he said that I thought was really great was he said, sometimes you just have to show up. Exactly. And he's a writer, and he's he hasn't had anything published, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. It we sounds didn't get, like we he didn't... hasn't had his novel published yet. Yeah, and he was right. like, yeah, just you have to show it. Which is true, you have to show up, but it's a lot easier to show up if you're the host of the event. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, almost, yeah. it's almost necessary. It's almost um, necessary. I might say. Um, <laughs> we okay. also wanted something that, like, I feel like a lot of reading series sometimes can, like, feel like homework, or, you know, yeah. you're just going to, like, it's a little sceney. Mm-hmm. So we wanted something that felt more like friendly and cozy and community oriented and yeah yeah it yeah. is it is super laid back which i really much enjoyed like in a way not like in like some just whatever way but like i i showed up and i was just like oh wow i don't feel pressure and i don't i can't i couldn't explain why but <laughs> no that's that's exactly what we wanted for it to feel like warm and welcoming and to have like a generous audience Um, and to have people show up who aren't necessarily writers or like part of the community you know yeah who just wanted to come for a thing to do on a Wednesday and that's a really good point because like I do think the literary community can be very incestuous in the sense of like oh it's just writers supporting other writers and I really think like one of the reasons it's so hard to sell books or all the way from that down to a reading series to get people to come is because it's hard for it's hard for people to get interested who was the second reader last night? What was their name? Brianna Silverberg. Bri- yes. Yeah. They did She's such great. such a good job of just like her poems just connected. They were just so yeah. funny. She's and you she's know? such a good performer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. It's so more than compelling. literature. Yeah, you know, it's totally. like it's just like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I don't believe her fun. bio. Like we were we read her bio before she read and it said that she hadn't published before, which I just don't believe that. Well, I well, because when I was doing <laughs> the, the tweeting to like yeah. promote the show, I was like, oh, where can I link to her work? And I was like, wait, I can't. That's bonkers. Maybe she's She's like truly oral poet, you know? Yeah. In this like really traditional way. She performs a genre reassignment all the time, which is a fantastic reading series. Truly. That's a really good name. I like that name. Yeah. It's so good. It's once a month on Mondays. I forget if it's the first or second, but it, it's amazing. It's a trans reading series in Brooklyn. It's really fantastic. That, that's really funny you just said that because I was about to say someone just started competing one called Gender Reassignment. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh, well, that's the play on words, so I'm a fucking idiot. Anyway. If someone did that, it would be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be, there'd be a copyright issue. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, okay. Let's talk about Epiphany for a second because yeah. everyone knows Epiphany. Yes. Which makes you super cool. Everyone knows yeah. Epiphany. So yeah. why do we need to talk about it? Basically, everyone knows everything about Epiphany. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an 18-year-old literary magazine based in Manhattan. We've published Helena Ferrante. We've published many amazing writers over the years. But importantly, we also publish a lot of people for the first time. So just actually on the subway over here, I was refreshing myself with this story by Anissa Sincuni, who's a writer based on the West Coast and wrote a story called Evangelina Conception, which is just a beautiful story about a young woman whose mother just died in this car accident that the whole family was in in LA Mm. and they are a family of color and in the article in the LA Times about the accident, it goes into depth about the pedestrian, the white pedestrian who was hit, but says almost nothing about 
this girl's family. But it's all told in the second person, and I feel like it's really hard to write a second person story that works, but this one works really well. So I don't know, that's just one that like is on the top of my mind tonight, but I'm excited about our forthcoming issue. It should come out in December or January. What exactly do you do there? I'm the editor in chief. Yeah, like, are are you, but are you in direct contact with the content, or are you more like an acquisition? Like, you know, I, I don't know. They, you know, sounds like a big five thing. <laughs> do you do you pick the things that are getting published, I do. or yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm I do a little. It's a really small operation, so I do a little bit of everything. So recently, our submissions window just closed, so I'm going through are submittable. And how is that? Lots and lots and lots and lots of stories. Yeah. <laughs> we got a lot of submissions, which is really exciting. Yeah, I think it's like 300 submissions that we got in a in just like a week and a half. That's insane. Yeah, it was nuts because it was in the submittable newsletter. Yeah, so that that was lucky for us. So I'm I'm going through a lot of those. I just picked one out from I guess we don't we don't use the word slush pile. I don't think there's anything negative about slush pile personally, but the, um. there's, I guess there's a negative connotation <laughs> to slush. The yeah, hidden treasures you... pile. But let's re, let, <laughs> yeah, it's let's, the treasure pile. Yeah. No, let's, let's take, let's, no, let's take it back. Let's, let's call it the slushy pile. Oh, I like that. Yeah, the yeah. slushy pile. I was slurping out of the slushy yeah, pile. I just thought of that. <laughs> exactly. You just thought of that. I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that because I did. <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm I'm picking things out of there, and then also I uh, solicited a few people who I'm really excited about too, and the cover image I'm very excited about as well. And we have two other artists, visual artists, inside the issue besides the artist who did the cover image, Jenny Croik, mm-hmm. who's amazing. She's done a couple New Yorker covers. She's if you ever walk by like wow. the kiosks on the street, like sh- you'll see her work on the kiosks, oh, wow. like the New York City kiosks. Yeah, yeah. She's great. I really love her. So I was excited that she gave us an image, and then we have two more artists inside the issue, too. So it's going to be nice. It's a really, you know, diverse, eclectic issue. Yeah, and I, I think it is really important to pick people out of the, the slushy pile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, we actually, it. I mean, nothing's set in stone by, you know, and I'm not even going to name names or anything, but, like, it can get... To, it can become a grueling task. And mm-hmm. it's like, I really try to give work a lot of effort. Like I don't just, cause we re- we actually request 50 pages. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I try to like, I go as far as I, uh, until I am absolutely certain, you, you know? You guys are such Virgos. <laughs> 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 and it's also one of those things where like, it's more fun for me to actually feel like I'm doing it for a reason. Like not, not just to find something that I think will like, be a hit, whatever the, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, an indie hit. <laughs> like what? one of our other writers, Annie Krabenschmidt, I, you know, we did meet her like, mm-hmm. you know, and so she wasn't out of the pile. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we just found someone the other day and we're going to have a phone call with their agent and hopefully it'll go well. But it was, I, I was just shocked. I was like, oh my God. Cause I, I we got the submission back in late June mm-hmm. and I was like, this is still around right now. And this person yeah. is kind of like a well-known musician, like all this stuff. I was like, I was just completely shocked. So yeah. all that work, it can feel really useless. Yeah. And it's not because the writing is not good. It's just like, you know, it doesn't fit your taste or like, you yeah. know, maybe it's not finished. It's not fleshed out yet. Everyone has a different process, but do you ever get like, do you ever get to that point where you feel like you're about to give up and then you just like hit something or like, how, how does it usually go for you? Yeah. I mean, we're lucky. So we have a lot of volunteer readers who are all amazing. Mm-hmm. And 
the process is that the we'll have three volunteers read a piece. If the if it gets three upvotes from three different readers, then it comes to me. But I also just because we have so many submissions right now, I'm also just going through the slush myself mm-hmm. on top of that. But helping out the the, the yeah, crew. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, that's how it works. And I have you know, I have declined a few pieces that I really loved because they just didn't feel finished, you know? They like didn't feel like complete stories, but they're, I mean, it's amazing. Like it's such a privilege to be able to read people's work that they've spent hours and days and years on, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I have been on the other side of that a thousand times. I literally have a spreadsheet that has 400 entries for all of the different submissions I've sent out over the years. And like, I mean, I've done it too, so I know how hard it is. So you kept a spreadsheet (laughs) outside of submittable. Yeah. That was your own. Yeah. I. Yeah, I have to ask well, why. When I, I'm so curious. Because when I started submitting ten years ago, it was before submittable. It was before every single journal was, was using submit, yeah. submittable, Got and it. still, like one story doesn't use submittable. Mm-hmm. So, but there are a few outliers. But like, yeah, at the time, it was like impossible to keep track of your submissions. Plus, I was feeling very competitive with my roommate at the time, this poet Keith Leonard, who uh-huh. had his own <laughs> spreadsheet, and I was like, this guy's getting published all over the place. This guy has. A spreadsheet i'm gonna have a spreadsheet and i'm gonna fill mine in faster <laughs> which is not what happened that's but. hilarious the 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 novel that i'm actually talking about that we're interested in now there's a musician but this t- kind of takes place in the late 90s who keeps a spreadsheet as well nice and like of all these people that he knew <laughs> like you know and like kept contacts with him but yeah that's that's so so almost 90s um <laughs> totally yeah, so some people might not be interested in this. I'm extremely interested in how you went from being a literary agent to working at a hedge fund. <laughs> I don't even really know how it happened. Yeah, I worked in publishing for 10 years. I worked in an agency for seven and at Penguin for three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Pen- I- you worked at Penguin for three being, were you acquisitions? What were no, you, what, I was what? a sub rates assistant. Oh, okay. So I sent bad paranormal romance novels to like Bolivia to be translated I like it was a lot of like physical labor. That almost sounds <laughs> that almost sounds illegal. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a job. I got a ton of free books, which was an amazing perk. You read the paranormal romance books as well. Oh, you're of saying. course, all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, you gotta write one of those now. I mean that's I did have a your... moment where I was like I could t- and then I was like, that's a lot of work for like five grand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I decided not to. Yeah, we and yeah, yeah. Uh, Rachel and I were just talking about the wonderful wonderful world of uh, advance against royalties. So, oh, you know, yes. if if you make them back. Mm-hmm. Uh don't ever get into this racket, listeners. Anyway, so then you went to a hedge fund, which I fucking love. I wanna know what goes on. So but like are you so what are you doing there? Because you're an executive assistant, which so sounds I'm, so that that's different from assistant executive. I'm doing like a little Dwight Schrute thing. <laughs> oh, like, you are know you I'm, an assistant executive? Yeah, that, you know, no, you know what I'm definitely been, not. Oh, <laughs> 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 I'm trying to get exactly what this means, you know. Um, so I, the assistant to the head of the tax department. So I mostly work with him, but then also the other people in the tax department. <laughs> that sounds so fascinating. There are like 13 of them, um, but mostly I, I, I work with him directly. I manage his calendar. I get him lunch. Mm-hmm. I get everyone cupcakes for their birthdays. Uh-huh. I manage his inbox. So you're Greg from Succession. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, kind of. He's an Greg? executive assistant. That's his title. Thank you. 
That is his Thank title. You. But you don't have to be a human footstool. No, okay. I've never okay. had to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. Yeah, well, Yikes. well, but that's the thing that I I said that endearingly, mm-hmm. like because Greg. <laughs> Like, you know, like, you Machiavellian fuck. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I love Greg. It's not my favorite rosé. <laughs> that's, that's the best. Yeah, one. yeah. That is the line which shows his character development. It's, oh, my God. It's beautiful. I am. It's beautiful. We're, we're probably losing people right now. We are saying, di- we are directly quoting Succession now. <laughs> What's wrong with that? No, it's, there's nothing everyone wrong. Everyone has I'm, seen it. No, everyone has. Everyone shouldn't. If you haven't, honestly, you need to stop whatever you're doing. And you need to turn on HBO or order. Here, okay. We're going to backtrack. I'm going to tell the same story that I told Rachel last night. Katie's grandmother was visiting a few weeks ago, and we introduced her to Succession. We had to go to work that day. We come back. She is still watching Succession. She is now on season two. She finishes it and then goes home back to Little Rock, Arkansas, and orders HBO specifically to watch Succession. Wow. Yeah. Great. And then, and then You guys ju- should get a commission. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? We should. We really should. We should Maybe call HBO. HBO will... We'll advertise on Dead Brown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Cha-ching. In case you haven't heard of HBO. Specific, no, only Succession. Um, but then, and then, just the other night, this maybe was last night or the night before, she's on the phone with Katie, and Katie breaks it to her that that was the season finale. And, like, it's not going to be on for another, like, year. No. And she just flips out. She's like, why the fuck did you do this to me? Like, she, like we got her hooked on smack. Like, you know? Like, <laughs> But like okay. the rest of America, let's be clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's the Gengi thing. Gengi is us. But that's true. <laughs> is it the rest of America? I've kind of heard a couple things. I've heard that like it kind of has a cult following, or is it like Sopranos level at this like at I, this point? You know, I don't think it's Sopranos, but I definitely think it's because well, during Sopranos the first was season, network television, so there's no, no, it was HBO. Real well, oh, but it was on TV, TV. Like back when we had Sopranos? a finite number of channels. No, HBO. Right? I think you had to. You had to order it. You had it to was get like a its own se- to it. a separate package. Still. But you watched it on a television. Yes, the <laughs> Sopranos. Watch, that's all I'm on saying. A television. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, yeah. there's like a. It was like before you you had streaming services with endless yeah. things that would lo- right like. It was on at a certain time of night. Yeah, you yeah. You had to wait yeah, for that's it. Uh-huh. That's true. Like it yes. was diff- a different kind it, of. TV it wasn't watching. competing with like all yeah. of this other shit that's out now and yeah. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, that yeah. is true. But yeah, so in my opinion, Succession is the greatest show ever made because well, it like fits me, <laughs> of course. Like the whole like corporate like hyper conservative just like narcissistic fuckery meets like like Shakespearean dialogue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's like corporate Shakespeare and it's just like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. But why, why do you think it's the greatest show ever made? Because we are all in agreement that it is the greatest show ever made. (laughs) And I'm watching the wire right now, which is, which a lot of people would say is the greatest show ever made. Right. I mean, (laughs) you had a great line, which was that (laughs) succession was what game of Thrones wanted to be. Yeah. That's that's, that's really true. It definitely was. God, I don't know. I'm not good at articulating these things on the spot, just in terms of like the nature of power and the different dynamics. I mean, one thing that's so great about the show is like, and I honestly, I really hate conversations about character likability they always devolve to something super annoying but i do really like that everyone is just like kind of terrible mm-hmm. yeah and still kind of lovable in sort a sort of mm-hmm. fucked up way especially in the sense that you have to cat like you you remember okay so who is it laird it wasn't laird it was carl 
on one of the oh. recent episodes, Carl, after their conversation about who was going to, you know, take the fall, Carl is like, because like Rome is fucking with him or something. And Carl's like, we're humans, remember? And I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, but you guys were killing people on cruises. Like, yeah. you know, and you like don't always remember that. Like, well, that's the thing. You know what I'm saying? And that's how beautiful the show is. Like, you do actually care about what they're like going through. But it's on another crazy. level, I feel like if something bad happened to any of them, like, I wouldn't care that much. Like, part <laughs> of you would be like, well, yeah, like, you deserve it, which I think is really interesting. I can't think of a lot of other so if Rome, shows like that. If Rome had gotten murked in, in the Middle East or what, you know, I think they were in the Middle East. I would have been like, very I sad if Rome you was killed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have been. I, I don't know that I would have felt like I love him too, He's but like I don't know how sad. But if I he was felt. off the show, well, that would bum me out because it would make the show less yeah, good. Yeah, right. right but right, I don't think exactly. I'd like cry for the character. You know, like yeah, I sort yeah. of feel that way about all of them, I guess, which I think is really interesting. I think one thing that makes the characters work is that none of them is really all that smart, except for Logan. Like they all are manipulative and they're operators and they're like nasty to each other in interesting ways and they're witty whatever but they're not they're like not strategic at all yeah they can't so see you 10 can, steps ahead like Logan yeah can. they're yeah, not like yeah. very good at what they're doing which so it's is like your theory really satisfying to watch right and my theory yeah the right ending right. right but like I guess no spoilers right but Logan no I actually you know what you know it's been a long enough <laughs> I want you to put forth your theory because Fuck it. it. If you come on. Well, We're I know already this... because we talked about it last night that I'm going to get outvoted. But yeah, yeah. my theory yeah. is that Logan was behind that. Logan knew that his weird pep talk thing that he had with Kendall mm-hmm. when Kendall's like, did you ever think I could do it? And Logan's like, uh, no, basically no. Because yeah. he said, <laughs> you're you not are, a killer. You're not a killer, which is always why. And I will bring right. this back to something that very few people might care about, which is why I thought Kobe Bryant was better than LeBron James back in Kobe Bryant's prime, because I didn't think LeBron James was a killer either. Sure. And so I think a lot of people. <laughs> hot, wait, hot take. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Which is why I think LeBron is who he is today, because I do think he took that to heart and pulled a Kendall and and has now gone to the final so many times and won like a few times. You know what I mean? Right. And so that 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 backs up your theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I absolutely think that he knew Kendall well enough to know that Kendall would flip on him and that he wanted that to happen the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was really proud when it did because he wanted Kendall to be a killer and he wanted to be off the team. He wanted to be kicked off and he didn't want to go of his own volition because that looks weak. Mm-hmm. So it's like the perfect solution. And you him. thought in that in that last look, that was a look of of, yeah. of pride. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love it. That Oh, that's what you thought? Our producers are saying that's what she thought too. I didn't. I didn't get that. I. I, I didn't get that either. Katie. Katie said. Well, Katie said that she thought that Kendall was going to be the one picked. I didn't know she thought yeah, it was planned by that. Logan. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's what she thought. We're now finding out that that's what she thought, mm-hmm. and she's nodding, sort of like shaking her head, nodding. <laughs> but yeah, we. You know, Sarah and I disagree because here's one thing, and I can't believe we have a year. Until we have to figure, until we get to figure this out. I know. But I also think there's so much shit behind Kendall and the car thing, you know, killing the waiter. Yeah. You know, where, the, where the waiter died. Yeah. Where I don't know that Logan could have banked. 
But, you know, at the same time, now I'm thinking, well, he knows he has that on him. So yeah. if Kendall goes and does that, he's like, yeah, you can't, you know. I think, for, like, part of the beginning of the show set us up. Like, Logan is so unsure of who he wants to inherit this thing because he looks around him and all he sees is idiots all the time. Like, mm-hmm. he is so tired of all of these idiots Well, that's the why it was so interesting when Shiv fucked up. Yes. I think, I want to take back the thing about likable. I think they're all unsympathetic. Right. Like, that's what's interesting about that's it. That's a but very good distinction. But they are kind of likable. They they're are likable. That's, that's a very, sh- that's a very important yeah. distinction. Because but it's so yeah. well written I yeah. that it's like still so much fun to watch. Yes. Yeah. I genuinely yeah. like Rome. I genuinely like Shiv. Yeah. Kendall, I he's the one I feel for the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't like him very much. Yeah, even I think they pretty terrible. I see so much of myself in him. I, me too. So the, sh- oh, sh- we, let's I talk. All right. We're going to do something absolutely horrible now. And we're going to talk about who we got on our BuzzFeed quizzes <gasps> because because I found an article in the cut. Did you do it? I did it. Ah. I found another quiz on um Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just 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 Everybody Google just quiz. Google BuzzFeed Succession who you're, who are you on Succession. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, we're and we're going to get our producers results live. <laughs> it's going to be very fun. It's going to be very very fun. I so much if tension. A astrological sign relationship? We were no. To who we're going to get in, we're going to get into this cuz this succession. is what so Oh yeah, what are their signs? Mm. I was also just interested in your tweet about like your what what were you again? You what were I you again? I was Shiv. You're a shiv with oh, a what? Shiv. With a, you're a shiv with a with an oh, astral. Oh, what yeah. I what was I calling myself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, so I took the quiz and I was a shiv. Okay. That's interesting. When, when at, was it astro Poets? Who did that originally? I don't the, know. The like, you are with, with this, with a that, rising that. Maybe it was yeah. Ira the Third from that podcast, uh. Keep It, which is an excellent podcast. Ooh. But I'm they, actually yeah, I think I said I was like a candle with a Roman rising or something. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Although it's like really embarrassing to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I said I was a Kendall Rome binary star with a rising Logan moon <laughs> or a waning Logan, Logan moon <laughs> or planet. I don't know. Um, I told John, who's my partner, I told him, like, you're just straight Logan. And he was like, he like thought about it for a second. He was like, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you, you said that to him? Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah. man. I'm He's ruthless. Horrified yeah. for you right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> it's a great relationship. Okay, so you got... You got Shiv. Okay, uh, Katie's Katie. Who are you? I got Kendall. Nice. Oh my God, that's that's wrong. That's just wrong. I don't know. Okay, Wait, we'll go with it. What did you get? I got Rome. Oh, I got Rome. I'm not surprised at all. I can see that. I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. surprised at all. On another quiz. Wait, I got Willa. Yeah, you got. We Willa. need to talk about that. We need to we talk, need about, to talk about that. We also need I didn't to. Even know that was an option. There's an article in the cut. Written by Anna Silman. I don't know who that is, honestly. But it's called What Your BuzzFeed Succession Quiz Results Really Mean. <laughs> oh okay. God. Because I love the media pileup on this phenomenon. Me too. It's it is amazing. so great. Because because and this is why it's such an important article. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm just I'm literally That's gonna read so the, I'm funny. gonna read the I'm gonna read her opening paragraph. Lately, everyone on the internet has taken BuzzFeed succession quizzes. Everyone. Everyone has. Okay, that's a fact. That is her first line. While the results appear to be accurate, parenthetical, it's true, I am such a Willa. Shout out to Sarah right now. I am not proud of it, but I am. The, The descriptions seem a little too optimistic for a show about a family of narcissistic monsters. Okay, so that's very important because let's read Roman's description, which I got a Roman, right? 
This is BuzzFeed's description of Roman. You're smart, but you're not, you're not a big picture person. You like cracking jokes, having fun, and letting everyone know you're not taking things too seriously. You've got some very specific interests and or desires that you're struggling to come to terms with, but you've got some good allies in your corner. It's like, really? Like, yeah, okay, but you're also jacking off behind the bathroom door, like <laughs> with Jerry on the other side telling you. And so that's the thing. So this is what the cut, so the, the cut says what... So it says, you're a Roman Roy, exclamation point. You're a dirty little slime puppy, aren't you? Yeah, you like it when I call you a slime puppy, don't you? That's because you're a sick, twisted little boy. God, you're disgusting. You want me to spit in your mouth, don't you? Go into the bathroom and think about what you've done. That is, though not like global description of Rome, Mm -hmm. it's it's a more accurate one, I would say. Yeah. Jerry is the best character so on good. that Great. entire show. So good. Slime Puppy is the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. She's especially, amazing. Especially for being so like like almost not reticent but like neut- like neutral, like stolid, you know? She heard mm-hmm. like her her lines are just so yeah. ugh, so cogently like just they're like knives. I love them. So okay, you got Shiv. Let's read the, the real Oh, the read the sh- other one first. I like the juxtaposition. Go uh, to the uh, BuzzFeed one first and then like... Yeah, let's do that. Because we, I love the idea that like BuzzFeed someone... is just sugarcoating this and making it like all of its <laughs> like personality quizzes. This is a different one than the one I took. That's okay. Mm. I took like a community one. Mm. That's yeah, okay. I got Chev. I don't think that's accurate. We're still going to read Willa's. I still I think I'm Willa. I'm committing to Willa. I'm committing yeah. to. I, I do yeah. feel like no, well, I'm you, more. You already, you already told me, so I can't I can't let it go. I would totally be an escort who like found a rich guy and then yeah. made him like it's produce my life. plays. Like I would it's love that. Life. I aspire yeah. to that be. That sounds like a good life. A good life. escort who yeah. finds a rich guy. It's yeah. better than being For uh, sure. Connor. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Oh my god, who gets Connor? <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you you think Connor's worse than Greg? You cannot tell me that Connor's worth it. No, you're worse right. Connor's way worse than Greg. We're definitely back on the air yeah. right now. <laughs> and <we're back. laughs> I want the show to just end with him becoming the president. Connor. Connor. Yeah, that oh would be god. hilarious. Would I would be- watch an entire season where it was just like mirror life of of now with Donald Trump, but it's Connor instead. Yeah. yeah it would be like be that beautiful. would be a great show. It would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so okay, we're gonna read Shivs now. Okay. The BuzzFeed Shiv. And then we're going to go to the cut. Shiv slash Rachel. You are incredibly intelligent and calculating, but are often forced to prove yourself. Sometimes you say things without thinking, but you're still the least likely person to screw up in your family and or a friend group. These are all these are all actually true. Yeah, no, I can see this. You, you always don't know me, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. You always present yourself as calm and in control no matter the situation, but it doesn't say the but. Because, like, we know what happened at the dinner party. Yeah. And she dragged Tom out. 100%. Had to collect herself because mm-hmm. then she just, she spilled the means, man. She can't stand injustice at she the can't. end of the day. That's why she's herself. the liberal. That's why she's the liberal in yeah. the family, yeah, you know? That's, yeah, that's Okay, true. so now the Cuts version of Shiv, which I have, I actually have not read yet. I only wrote, read I'm Rome's. Excited. You are Shiv Roy. Yes, queen! <laughs> <laughs> you are an empowered hashtag girl boss. You understand that a woman's place is in the boardroom, not the kitchen. I love it. The patriarchy needs to be toppled, and you are the one to do it. Lean in, you powerful goddess, and take what's rightfully yours. This is going well so far. That's a great one, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm getting a little pissed. Because, you know, Rome is cool, too. you're a slime puppy. (laughs) You're just mad because you're a slime puppy. Yeah, I am. (laughs) 
I am. <laughs> okay, shut up, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> only you can stand up for the brave women who have suffered under the fist of toxic masculinity and who dare to raise their voices and say, me too. Unless, of course... They present obstacles to your own ascension, in which case the credibility must be undermined at all costs. Use whatever resources are at your disposal. So fucking true. I love it. Because wow. uh, that, that scene at the park yeah. is brutal. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. Yeah. And here's the thing, though. Everything she's saying is true. Yeah. But, but she uses it so just her wiles are just like. It's like She's, she that was a fantastic scene. It was so good. The and show's so fucked up too because like I wanted her to talk the woman out of yeah testifying, which is like bad. Uh, You're yeah, not supposed yeah. to like and the be thing on is, her side. And the thing is, <laughs> she, what she's saying is true. It's like you are gonna like you are gonna go through some shit. No, if you totally. Do it, it will like but, tear your life apart. Yeah. But you know, you're wanting her to do something against the greater good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's well, the, like right. The part that wasn't true was when she was like, "We're gonna take this down from the inside." Yeah, right. Like, yes, yeah, you right, have yeah, yeah. no assurance that that's accurate yes. at all. Yes. That's yes. definitely. So, well, so are you saying you don't trust that Shiv would actually have tried to do? Well, she was making the promise before she knew. Like she, yeah, she thought she was next in line, maybe. Mm -hmm. But she kind of knew that she was on shaky ground making a promise like that. And like, even if she did get in there and like start to take things down, like maybe she would get rid of Mo Lester. Yeah, but what incentive would she have to really like? She's not going to get rid of things up. Her brothers. Yeah, Yeah. totally. What a great moment in the show (laughs) when you just for episodes you know someone as Mo. And they just <laughs> hold that in their pocket, and yeah. then they just say, like, <laughs> and then, then the wife's like, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Okay, that's beautiful. But I will say, the only thing I will say to that is that at that point, Rhea was in line. Yeah. So she might have actually acquiesced to taking it down from the inside, which, 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 is, which is kind of, which, that idea is kind of bolstered by the fact she left. After, you know, after all this came out. But anyway, that's just my 10 cents. You know, I think Shiv does have a modicum of integrity. But when it comes to succeeding eponymously, yeah, she kind of does. The cut, the cut, you know, who who is this? Anna Silman? She's on it. (laughs) All right, so we don't have the BuzzFeed Willa because we couldn't find it. What's the cut, Willa? We couldn't answer the questions correctly again. Yeah, I think I took Which maybe, one. maybe Sarah, you're not a total Willa. Yeah, maybe you know? you're a little bit more calculating than you think you are. Yeah. I am embracing it. I'm you're, going full Willa. I'm an angel. Willa could be a Libra. You're a Willa. Yeah, she you're a Willa. She could totes be a Libra. With a rising shiv. Yeah. 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 That we'll makes say sense. That. If she's I like a Taurus. That. Yeah. yeah. I like okay. That. Yeah. Very feminine. <laughs> I'm just going through this actually is not this is not okay. You're Willa. <laughs> You're an artist, babe. Yeah. <laughs> you were destined to create. You are the me. voice of your generation. Oh yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> at at the very least the voice of a generation. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah Horvath. Yeah. Like, yeah. 2016 or something. <laughs> or that. Yeah. Much like the titular sand from your underrated Broadway debut, <laughs> Sands, you are limitless, both tough and soft, microscopic and vast. <laughs> you contain multitudes and also possibly sand mites, <laughs> which Greg inferred. <laughs> inferred too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the haters get you down. That's how it ends. That's it. That's great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's actually yeah. not that bad. I'm super into it. Yeah. Yeah. This might have been written before the last episode. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it was. 
before she tosses the iPad off of the boat because of her reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a completely understandable response. That was oh, great. Totally. Yeah. I loved how she responded. Yeah. I would have kept reading. Yeah. I would have masochistically just dug in and just hated myself. No, that was really healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. And perhaps have done something more than that. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I just went back to the very beginning of my Gmail. So I signed up for, I signed up for Gmail in 2005. Five. Holy shit. It's a long time ago. Yeah, it was probably yeah. before you were born. <laughs> but yeah, my first, very first email was an email to some friends of mine sharing like the equivalent of a BuzzFeed quiz, but I think it was on MySpace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I love these things so much. So, so like the, whatever we're doing here is like really tickling, like a deep, uh, weird nerve yeah, in the back yeah. of my head. A yeah. MySpace quiz, just the same thing yeah. basically with like creepier photos probably. Um, <laughs> Who knows what MySpace was then? Yeah, no. Jeez, I don't. I don't even want to go back there. Okay, any last thoughts about Succession before we have you guys read? <laughs> no, no. I think we. Yeah, I think we covered. We covered it. a lot. Yeah, I think we covered it. We I people just, should be grateful that we went in this depth. We oh yeah, did. definitely. Should, and honestly, if you don't, if you don't know what we were talking about, that's your problem. Go I can't back. Believe and, you listened this long. No, I. I can't believe. And also, I'm. I'm like you should go back and watch and and figure it out for even yourself. Even though we've ruined for sure. it for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It, I think it, out of context, none of this means anything. Yeah, I think it's too, in, it's, it's encoded <laughs> Yeah, enough, you totally. Know, it's fine. We had a good time. All right, yeah. So who wants to read first? Do you want long first or short first? Let's do long first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do long first. Great. So I thought I would read something that I wrote for another reading series, since this is a show about reading series, and we're talking about our reading series, mm-hmm. including other things. So this is what I read at Breadcrumbs, which is a great reading series. Ooh, it is. We both read there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great reading series. Great journal. Hosted by Bob Raimonda. Bob Raimonda. Yes. Who I actually think we're having on the podcast at some point, I hope you right? do. Yeah. He's yeah, very sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah. he's great. We've had yeah. to reschedule, I think, a couple times, but yeah. Oh, or maybe yeah. not. Maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. Oh, we'll also, I did want to properly shout out. The next genre reassignment show is on Monday, the 21st. I looked it up. Of October? I wasn't sure. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. It's on Monday. Which actually is one of the greatest names for a reading series. I've it's ever so heard. good. Yeah, they're great. It's, it's like excellent. a triple entendre. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. So Breadcrumbs is cool because like you guys, they do a print journal, I mean a web journal as well as a reading series. So they do a lot of publishing as well. So oh, nice, nice. This is yeah. published on breadcrumbsmag.com. And then I also read it at the series. I have to say, I think I've some, I've revised it since this, so this might be a less good version than it's the version a, well, it's that also I now have on my computer. But that's okay. I heard you read it, and read I loved it, it. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Jim has been away from this neck of the river a good while. Back in the day, he used to come here all the time with Choppa. Choppa had wheels. He salvaged a beat up old Chevy from the impound and spent a summer fixing it up. Half the passenger side door was rusted through and the check engine light wouldn't turn off and there was just an empty socket where the e-brake should have been, but it was effective. Saturday mornings, he'd swing by Jim's dad's and lean on the horde until Jim ran outside and they'd drive like the mad boys they were to the bend in the highway where the fence dropped off. You had to park on the shoulder and sort of skid down the sandy incline through the trees and half the time Jim would come home with bramble scrapes all over his shins. But down here in the gully, the river was icy clean, the narrow sky 
bright blue, the trout fat splashing silver. Down here in the gully, he and Chapa could dose in peace. If you timed it right and took enough and maybe wore the 3D glasses Chapa pinched from the drive-in off USX, by the time you were peeking, the noontime sun would just have tipped over the edge of the ravine, flooding every shadow and dazzling the rapids. Chapa would whoop and jump from the bank and tear off his shirt and throw off his shoes and chase the sparkles that floated up off the river, gobbling each one up in turn, beautiful, thrashing, wet. Look at me! I'm Pac-Man, man! I'm eating the sun! Today is a mild day at the tail end of winter, 16 years since. Jim was supposed to have been in the air right now, en route to Florida from the Boston consulting firm where he just made junior VP of client acquisition, to hang out at spring training with half a dozen of his most valued clients. But this year he's postponed the trip a few days to come home. The occasion? Yet another funeral. Two weeks ago, Chapa's old girlfriend Amber OD'd OxyContin the second in her nuclear family, the twelfth in his high school that he knows of. Jim heard the news from his stepmom, who heard it from Chapa's mom, Wynne. He never knew Amber too well, but when he thinks of her, the moments he remembers feel good and sad and real. How Chapa pined for her in ninth grade math class, how she showed up at Jim's dad's in tears because she thought Chapa had gone missing. Her mascara stain never came out of his Grizzlies jersey. How one velvet night they skinny-dipped all of them, Jim, Chapa, Amber, and that other girl, what's her name? And the girls slept sweet and quiet under a furniture pad in the bed of the Chevy while Jim and Chapa shared their last cigarette and made big plans in the cracking dawn. How just a year and a half ago, when Jim ran into her in the Hannafords near his dad's, Amber dropped two shrink-wrapped chicken breasts in surprise and laughed. How, when he invited her out for a beer, she confessed she was ten weeks sober. She didn't say anything about Chapa then, and he hadn't wanted to ask. The truth is, Jim came down for the funeral, not for her sake. If he came for every funeral, he'd be here every month, pretty much. But because he thought that for this one, Chapa might come too. But Chapa was not among the mourners at the church today. He was not at the wake at Amber's sister's, and he is not down here in the gully now. Jim sits, disregarding his nice black pants, and takes off his ill-conceived dress shoes. He regrets wearing them. They pinch his heels, and he looks like a tool. He looked like a tool at the wake. Amber's sister was wearing jeans, for God's sake. When he, offers, when he offered his condolences, she looked at him like a stranger. The sandy red soil is so cold it numbs his toes, but it is a relief to let his bare feet come in contact again with this earth he knows so well. He tosses a pebble and watches it disappear into the river's sputtering folds. What kind of asshole has he become? He could have tried harder to get in touch with Chapa, but he left this town when cell phones were still luxury items, uncommon at least among people like them, and anyway, the truth is he's been shy. He isn't ashamed of how his life has turned out. He makes good money, has a bright young kid, and a smart no-bullshit wife. But whenever he's thought of reconnecting with Chapa, when he's thought of Chapa at all, Chapa with his shirt off, live brown body splashing, Chapa yelping, eating the sun, he's felt a surge of emotion so electric it's almost erotic. His eagerness embarrasses him. He has tried to explain this to Denise, but how to describe the mad boy who still lives so loudly, so colorfully in Jim's memory? How to describe the way one single boy, along with enough acid most weekends to kill a small bear, rewove the very fabric of his mind. 
The closest he's come is a drunken confession one night after a boozy fundraising dinner for their kids' charter school. A teenage dance troupe had performed, and a couple of them had actually been pretty good. Elastic joints and muscles like springs, and he'd felt her watching him, watching them, felt his own sluggish, Jesus-aged body. On the couch afterward, with the lights off as they dutifully drank their water before bed, he buried his head in Denise's lap and told her, I loved him. Loved whom, she said. Whom. She was a smartass like that, but he knew, she knew, who he meant. He didn't reply. She put a hand on his forehead. I know you did, she said. He opened my eyes, Jim told her. He made me see that the world is in our minds, that time is elastic, that space is infinite, that solid is just liquid but slower, and that there's infinite space between every atom that colors just a bunch of vibrations. Uh Uh-huh. From his vantage point in her lap, he could see up her nostrils, those twin tunnels that led all the way to her capable brain. Listen, he said, what do you see when you see color? She looked around the bedroom. As I recall, these walls are Benjamin Moore Canyon Light in the Pier 1 catalog. The couch, I think, was called Sorrel. The curtains in the downstairs bathroom were, oh my God, lady slipper. She made an amused sound through her nose. I don't mean paint, he struggled up. I don't mean fabric swatches. He pointed at the lamp in the corner, a cheap Ikea contraption that had never really stood up straight. What do you see when you look at that light? I see a lamp, which is missing a screw. She patted his head, much like you. I see rainbows. As if to demonstrate, he looked at the light and turned his gaze slowly toward her, then turned it back again, and the light stretched and unraveled into all its constituent colors, then knit itself back together. That was the grand synthetic beauty that Chapa helped imprint on him. Even now, light has tails, color trails. I still see rainbows after all these years. A reasonable woman who thinks of color as a material that comes in flat, matte, and satin, a comforting, practical woman, a fearless woman, Denise said, that is because you are an acid casualty and a goon. But months later, when he told her Amber had died, it was she who encouraged him to go home for the funeral. Don't you want to see your friend Chapa? The name in her voice was jarring to him. It didn't sound right. I guess. The whole time I've known you, you've never visited the guy. I'm starting to think you made him up. Your magical Indian friend, which, by the way, are you aware that the way you talk about him is maybe a little bit racist? Jim must have made a face because she repeated herself, altering her emphasis. Just maybe a little bit racist. How close were the two of you anyway? Why have I never met him? I don't know. We lost touch, Jim said. He isn't on Facebook. Go home, Jimmy. See your friend. Take a selfie with the guy. I want to see him with my own eyes. Denise is amused at best by Jim's brambly thoughts, but because she urges him to confront his own mind, he knows she will always protect him. And because he knows she would be happy to receive a picture of him beside his old friend, he's pictured the picture many times, both of them grinning, holding beers, Chapa taller and stunning, Jim balder and paler, but made handsome by joy. He is all that much more disappointed today that Chapa's not here. At the brief wake, he did see Chapa's mom. How's Chapa doing, he asked her, and Wynne squinted up at him, squeezing her left arm with her right hand, black lashes, gray hair, too distracted by grief to be glad to see him. You know, Chapa, she said, and Jim nodded and looked down at the ground, because you're supposed to give people enough silence and space to keep their grief to themselves. Now he regrets not saying, 
Actually, no, I don't. Not anymore. Regrets asking how when he could have asked where. Could have asked for his number. Could have asked for his number. Would that have been weird? The trouble is, Denise's interrogation still rings in his mind. How close were the two of you anyway? He's not sure he knows. How many times did they get fucked up together in this very gully? Two dozen times? Ten times? Twice? Maybe Denise was right in a way and he has made Choppa up. Not entirely, just maybe a little bit. Just the same sort of way that a kid makes up an idea of his mother before he's able to understand what kind of woman she actually is. Or the way a person who's never been to, say, India pieces together his own mental collage out of, let's say, some crowded street he saw in a film, rock-cut temples from an in-flight travel magazine, Bollywood, tigers, lotuses, the Taj Mahal, and a memorable cheek... GQ photo shoot of Priyanka Chopra. The Chapa he thinks he knows is not much more than a collage of teenaged memories, fantasies, the light trails he still sees, and his own dim understanding of history. Let's not, for, let's not forget that Jim's ancestors' hands were stained by Chapa's ancestors' blood once in this very gully, tripping balls. Chapa told him, your people massacred my people. If time is a circle, and time is a circle, Jimmy, you massacred me. Teenaged Jim looked at his friend lying there on the red earth, and as he watched, the earth became blood. It seeped out of and pooled around Choppa's brown body, and Choppa was still, and Jim was dumbstruck by the violence from which he was descended. For hours, he was convinced he had lost the ability to speak. In his memory, the, vision, the river is a stop-motion rainbow machine, but today it is muddy gray. Jim stands and rolls up his pants and wades into the shallows. The water's so cold it feels boiling hot. Not only is the river less colorful, it's narrower now. The region has undergone a long drought. He is struck by the absence of light. The trees at the edges of the gully are still winter bare, their black branches like cracks in the sky. A fish skeleton lies on the shore in a bed of its own dried out skin. Amber is dead and her brother's dead too, and so are 12 other people Jim once knew, and so is the fish. And so are the shrubs, and so are his toes, which have gone white and stabby, and so, in the end, is his friendship. And then, deep inside his memory, something is lifted. Some small corner of memory is peeled up, and he has a clear, true recollection. That day, he tripped so hard he thought he was mute. He and Choppa were not alone. Amber was there. She was sitting beside him. She was watching Choppa, too. He remembers her bare ankles, the cigarette between her fingers. He remembers her narrow, love-struck teenage face. She loved Choppa as hard as Jim did. She kept him company in that embarrassing love. He wants to tell her so. He wants to thank her. He wants to apologize for leaving her out of the picture for so long. But he can't, of course. So he wades back to shore, brushes off his feet, puts on his socks one by one, he forces back on his two stupid shoes and turns back toward the rental car he left parked on the shoulder. He is numb. He is dumb. He is heading back to the airport. Wow. Yay. I love that story. Thank you for letting <laughs> me read that whole story. I, <laughs> it goes by fast. <laughs> I love that story. I, that was probably the best thing that's been read on this podcast. Oh, I'm serious. That was really fucking good. Um, well, it's all Bob's fault because he sort of like, that's the way that breadcrumbs works is like, he like you respond to something else because it's a breadcrumb. You're following a trail of breadcrumbs, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. 
I wrote it for that podcast, basically. I mean, for that yeah. reading series. Where did that come from? I'm curious. Like, what, what, like, why that story? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's like. A, I should I, probably more be more articulate about my work. No, no, I'm know. just. I'm. I'm honestly curious. I mean, um, I don't know. I. There's a lot of stuff in there that I. Uh, <laughs> you identify with. Them? I identify with. <laughs> um, yeah. I write a lot about substance abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, I like, I spent some time right after college in, no, right after my first year of college, so I was still only like 19, in Colorado and Utah, just like hanging out. So that was like the landscape I was thinking about, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, despite the fact that they're both psychoactive substances, LSD or shrooms, whatever they were doing. I forgot if you actually direct. They were doing acid. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot. And oxy are very, very, very different substances, you know? And and the contrast was like really, that was really good. I don't know. I'm just kind of speechless right now. Thank Um, you. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, also it resonates with me. I mean, like people on people that listen to this show know that I'm sober too. Oh. So so like that's a very important subject to me. Me too. I studied addiction in, in uh, I was a psych major in college at mm-hmm. Maryland and I studied addictions too. And you know, that uh, <laughs> doesn't save you apparently. <laughs> Studying it doesn't save you. <laughs> yeah, no, so it weird. <laughs> so weird. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that. I, uh, if you like, are, are, so you said you're still working on it. Like, are you, do you plan to do something else with it or? With that story? Yeah. I have yeah. revised it since that. Yeah. I changed some things. I mean, nothing huge. Just for fun or like, like, cause it's, it, you publish it in breadcrumbs. Like, is it, do you want to like yeah. do, do something else with it or? I'm working on my short story collection. Yeah. So okay. I've, I've yeah. been revising a lot of stories recently. And that's the next yeah. thing you want to put out is a, is the collection or I'm what? Hope, yeah. Fingers crossed. I yeah. Mean, I hope so. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. shit. That was fucking amazing. Thank <laughs> yeah. <you>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, Sarah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> no. Do it. I'm going to um, love it. So, some of these poems are also being published in Breadcrumbs or have already yeah. been published in Breadcrumbs. Beautiful. That's good um, omens. Let's go, Bob. Monica Lewis was a guest poetry editor for them, and she accepted oh, yeah. a few of these. She's great. I love her work. We want to get her on the podcast, but it's just been kind of difficult Yeah, Yeah, she's yeah. read with us, and she's really good. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to read a few poems. This one is called Inheritance. I bought a $400 dress that makes me look like the cast of Dynasty fucked a disco ball, and I couldn't (laughs) be happier. I had it altered to show more cleavage. I was going to say I couldn't afford it to sound more relatable, but that's a lie. I work at a hedge fund. My parents are dead. I could afford it. Other things I can afford. A Nintendo Switch. An oil painting of Lisa Rinna from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills pointing at her head. I was going to say I would rather have my parents back than any of these things to sound more relatable, but that's also a lie. My parents were going to die eventually, and someday that dress will no longer fit. My Nintendo will stop working. But that painting of Lisa Rinna, that will last forever. Oh, I love your work yeah. so much. Really I love that painting of Lisa Rinna. It's really good. Do you remember the name of the painter? I'm going to look them up so I can. Oh, so she can is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Laura. It was at 1994 Museum. Laura Collins. Okay, I'm going to look them up. Yeah, she's great. I feel like there's a genre of poetry in which, like, really heavy information is 
tucked into like humor. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that? <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I don't know, like, and it's not often that I hear it. But like it, like it, I, I, like I don't know. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really good. that's like my favorite. That's your, that's your thing. Yeah, yeah. That's your deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting over a cold, so I feel like my voice is a little nasal. But Laura <laughs> we'll all deal with that. Yes, the, she's so great. The Real Housewives Pointing Fingers series. Yeah. So it's really good. Sarah has one of these paintings, and also our friend TK has another painting of the mm-hmm. Real Housewives. Housewife pointing. I can't uh-huh. speak anymore because <laughs> <laughs> it's but the first like real piece of art that I ever bought. Uh-huh. They're amazing. Uh-huh. Look at these. I know we're on podcast, but oh shit! I know. Yeah, she has a series of Anna Wintour crossing her legs. They're like really. They're like not caricatures. They're not that like uh, yeah. too messant, but they're like I'm, I'm trying to describe them for our listeners. <laughs> they're like they're like variegated like caricatures, kind of like I don't know. <laughs> they're just great. They capture great moments. Yeah, they're yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Very, let, like, let me, let me they're really colorful. Yeah, they are. They, they they're definitely like. There's like some sort of like realism there, but like yeah, it's like I like these. Okay, this one is called Thirty One. I can deal with growing older as long as I also grow more glamorous. I want to have fake nails, fake boobs, and real furs. There's nothing more glamorous than smoking for your entire life and never getting cancer. As a child, I thought my mother was glamorous. She only wore silver because she said gold looked cheap. Smoked unfiltered cigarettes ringed with red lipstick. The last time I saw my mother was two years before she died. She was haggard, poor thin, not rich thin, clutching a pillow to hide a non-existent paunch. It was like she had molted with age, shedding her silk nightgowns, heavy perfume, and emerging a pale callow. Now my role models are... Dolly Parton, RuPaul, and the beautiful murderesses on Columbo, in that order. At a cabaret show, I heard Justin Bond say, it takes guts to be glamorous, before recounting a story about a woman who cut her finger at a party, then bit off the dangling tip and spit it in the toilet. Hmm. <laughs> I love these. <laughs> yeah. I will admit, like, th- there's a certain disdain I have for poetry. Most people do. Yeah, but I, yeah, I also I totally understand. But not the, the poetry I tend to like is the more direct, not like because yours isn't really even narrative. It's almost like they're statements, you know, like in a way. But they are they are narrative in a way too. But I do I do like like they're just like these crystals of like information, you know. Yeah, I, I tend to like stuff that's not so abstract. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm all for it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and and it also makes me really want to know a lot of the stuff that's kind of like beneath the surface of what you're talking about, you know. Oh yeah, which is yeah. a good like a good. I, I like that. I like I I, I don't know because it could be a story, but like I like that it's it like hints not at a story. in a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Full disclosure, I'm going to be honest. This is how I spend most Saturday nights. I watch The Real Housewives alone, and for dinner, I heat up a satisfying serving of frozen macaroni and cheese. I make it in the oven because it tastes better this way. The cheese forms a crust and browns at the edges. Also, I do not own a microwave, and using the oven makes me feel like I'm cooking. I steam some broccoli because I do not want to die from malnutrition. Here are the other things I eat. Reese's peanut butter cups. Blocks of fancy cheese. Baguettes. Tomatoes. Barbecue potato chips. The tops of blueberry muffins. You'd think this diet would make me heavy, but I am grief thin. I started wearing crop tops just because I can. 
the white slice of stomach, my consolation prize for the world blazing into a wasteland. I collect tiny designer dresses like I don't have to pay my rent. Because I know that even this will end eventually. I will continue living without the people I could not live without, and my body will forget how to feed itself on loss. When it does, I will mourn the time when I lost all that weight, when I was so small, so frail, almost nothing. Ooh, the next poem I read quotes you. Whoa! <laughs> I love I love grief thin. By the way, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. We've I got think, poor thin, rich thin, and grief. Thin. Oh my I, god, yeah. that's so true. And also, real oh housewives, no. real housewives on two out of three so far. I'm yeah. really hoping yeah, to. Yeah, true. we should have had you guys start reading earlier. Um, um, <laughs> we'll have you back. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, thirty-four. A friend told me she envies how much I love beautiful things. I had just bought a pink velvet couch and was sharing pictures of it like it was my child. With every year that passes, I want children less, beautiful things more. A ring adorned with rainbow sapphires, a leather bag from Florence, my face injected with poison to keep it beautiful forever. Children are beautiful, but they are also bombs. Their fragile bodies unstable, so easily ignited by a falling brick, a too hot car. Turn around for a moment and they're gone. Your life exploded. I'm not going to risk that kind of loss. I'm still digging myself out from the wreckage of too many other disasters. My body can't sustain another life. My heart pumps pink velvet. Damn, you are fucking sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I That's love the it. title of my book, so Death and Exes. <laughs> Katie, Katie knows I am too. Before you guys got here, I was literally sitting on the couch being like, why am I so sad? Maybe you should get a pink velvet couch. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, right? just buy more shit. And, just and, buy and, some stuff. And take buy a picture more shit, of it. watch dumb TV, yeah. eat garbage. That's yeah. my solution. My values are too transcendent. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's pretty effective, I'm, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if you got Roman. Oh, wait, did you say Love Island? Yeah, see? <laughs> there you go. Love. Lo wait, what, what, what about Love Island? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. My values aren't totally transcendent. <laughs> I'm a recidivist. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I need something. Like, <laughs> I also just quit smoking. Well, I, like, you know, oh, wow. I, yeah. Oh, uh, Katie has been a huge enabler for me for her with her uh, with her e-cigarette. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, real uh, uh, Love Island. I should have I should have picked that up when I was on like day three and I wanted to tear my hair out. <laughs> yeah i feel like trash tv is really good for replacing addictions it is they should it study is. that in psychology mm -hmm. school well speaking of acid they're doing a lot of studies about getting people to realize their i guess like a, some some sort of like hyper awareness yeah they're using it for alcoholics yeah it's on 60 minutes which everyone knows now it's a fucking real thing you know Who knows? <laughs> is it acid or mushroom acid actually really yeah i thought they were using psilocybin I, for this sort of thing i think i think they i think they like just as easily could i've taken both before mm -hmm. i will tell you like from my own experience i took acid for the second time when i was 19 and it was a week after the first time <laughs> i was at bonnaroo and in that moment, I was, I took two tabs. I was so high. It was unfucking real, but I knew I was an addict. Like mm -hmm. I was a hundred percent sure. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell you that it works in that sense. Well, that's interesting. It didn't stop me, but sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, Sarah, those were fucking awesome. 
I, thank you. Thank you guys so much for being on. Oh my this God. Great. Thank you for having Our us. Our pleasure. This was super yeah, fun. We got to do it again. Us. Yeah. We this definitely got to do it again. Maybe more reads. Anytime. Totally. Yeah. Okay. That's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Animal Riot Press or through our website, AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the 40th episode of the Animal Riot podcast with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and featuring Rachel Lyon and Sarah Bridgens. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay. This episode was cut by our podcast assistant, Dylan Thomas, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals. Belly.